Hey folks, this is Dylan and I want to welcome you to the Eat Wild Podcast. This podcast is about learning to hunt, it's about conservation and mentorship and adventures and over the course of uh, the next little while here I hope to bring forward a bunch of interesting guests and tell some stories and hopefully take you on a few adventures, so check it out. So this is Dylan here with Ewell Podcast, and I'm hanging out with uh, Greg and Mike Taylor, who are uh, a big part of what uh, Eat Wild is doing. And uh, we'll maybe talk about what that relationship looks like. But for now, I'll just like to say, hey, Mike, and hey, Greg, thanks for hanging out in my living room and uh, taking part in one of my first uh, forays into podcasting. Hey, Dylan. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks me. for having us. Yeah. What, what do we have for dinner tonight? We had elk balls. I mean, elk meatballs. <laughs> elk meatballs, yeah, yeah. yeah we had some local Cows potatoes, potatoes so local blackberries, potatoes. Some kale corn, salad, corn. Some lamb. Kale, kale, yeah, you guys actually corn. ate some kale salad. There was yeah, uh, kale. yeah both of these guys are like six foot, like six foot lots, like six foot five ish, maybe more. Six oh, yeah. foot, six, big, big boys. So, so the so anyway, so both Mike and Greg. Uh, are, are my, my technical advisors to the to the Eat Wild project, uh, and I guess, and one of the ways that I that I compensate them for their support is to feed them, uh, and being six foot something, I gotta take out an extra package or two of meat whenever I do it. But it, but it's it's great to it's great to feed you guys and have a have a bit of a hang, and then uh, and then get some technical support around my like limitations, particularly well in this case we were talking about my limitations with my podcast and uh and you guys like kind of did some quick research and steered me straight on what i'm doing wrong so yeah firstly it's a great trade so you know elk salmon venison yeah for sure so this kind of food (laughs) that's why we're here easily accessible to the average person for sure that's what we're trying to go for so well it's great if i can like yeah because honestly (laughs) like this knowledge is not easily acceptable accessible for me so so it's a real treat for me but uh so I'll tell you how I met, well, how I met Mike, and uh, and my, so Mike came, you, you had an interest in, in hunting, you'd taken your <clears throat> pal course with Kronitsky or something? Yeah, Mike Kronitsky, yeah, I did, actually, I mean, to take it a step back, I'm a Joe Rogan Experience fan, and podcasting, if you listen to podcasting, you probably are, have no of JRE, and uh, so he was talking about the uh, hunting movement and just getting into that, and, um, you know, not so so much about how bad factory farming is, but getting back to your roots and all that stuff and uh, things Eat Wild talks about. And I'm like, oh, I really want to do this. I had no background in it. And um, so that drove me to do the PAL. I know I need, need firearms. And then kind of just every time I was talking to Mike, he was like, Mike Kornitsky was doing the PAL. He, he was like, oh, talk to this guy, Dylan. He's doing what you're looking for. And then I looked up uh, your website and then I just came and did your course. Yeah, and you said that my website was pathetic, that and is, that you needed a website, no. and that you build uh, websites. I think maybe I I I one hundred percent went into the course thinking like I looked at it and you had some front page thing, and I mean it had information, but I thought like 
you know, honestly, like with what you can do, I was like, this is like, you know, actually like taking the course, I was like, you're a really charismatic person, I think. And the whole course was, it just, it, it, it felt so authentic, you know, and, and if you're going to do something where you're really into it, 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 it I was like, this isn't re this is real and, and you really want to do this and you're really passionate about this. And like, as I was learning about it, I was really getting into it. So it's That's something uh, where. the sound of Greg drinking his bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> pick it up. it up pick it up <laughs> so, so it's Claire Claire in the background yeah. drinking her water bowl which is yeah oh, that yeah. happens in a podcast yeah so um, it, it was it, it was really authentic and I thought okay well this is this is amazing it was a world I'd never been involved in my background is one 100% technical our parents like you know we're, we're brothers our, our parents were like my dad is very anti-gun no background in hunting his his father was in the navy and once he got out of the Navy, he didn't want anything to do with guns or hunting or anything. And so we had no background support in that at all. So when I started getting into this thing, I was like, wow, there's like these worlds kind of combined. And I thought, well, there's no real reason why a technical person couldn't, couldn't help. It's mutual skills, right? You, you can do something and, I, and, and you can find value in both those things to come together. So then in the last day, I think I just, I was the camel shorts guy. And you're like, I've never seen you not wear camel shorts or whatever. And I was just like, hey, like. And I also knew with the Hunterfield Skills Workshop, I think you talked about it, it was the first one you were going to do. I promoting it, yeah, a little bit at the workshop. So the Hunterfield Skills Workshop, I was like, yeah, like, well, could we trade or work on something like that? And so then you kind of just said, yeah, I go, I don't, like, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I just presented you something I kind of had in my background. Well, basically, the so, so you had, what was a 499 website or something? Was your was your, your company name back then? Yeah, 499 web, 499 websites, 499 dollar websites. Yeah. So, yeah, so you would do a platform for someone. So, yeah. so I had built my website. I just bought a Mac when I when I started to eat wild, and then there's a there's a program in there. I don't know, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's front a front page, front page or something that's fairly like step by step guide for creating yeah. a, a website, <laughs> like Word, but it published to the internet. Yeah, it published yeah. to the, but it was great. I mean, not for for me. I was able to put some pictures up, put some banners, yeah. and like I was able to get my word out there yeah. as to what I was up to. And then, uh, and then so when Mike said, oh, well, you know, I can, like, hey, you know, would you, would you, would you, I, I really buy into what you're doing and I'm kind of interested in, in learning how to hunt and, and I can, there's, I, I got a long way to go because you, you're saying, you, you know, you, you, you knew that you were deficient in some of the areas of, of skill development. Every area. And, and uh, <laughs> yes, you were like, so <laughs> if you help me learn to hunt, I'll, I'll, you know, if you, if you, if you. Would you consider trading me a spot in your Hunter Field Skills Workshop if I build you a website? I do this thing called 499 Websites where I do websites for 499 and my, my workshop was roughly yes. 500 bucks at yeah, the time. Yeah. And like, I was like, yeah, sweet, sounds good. Like, and, and I was not, like, I had no idea. Like, like, I sort of thought my website was good. Like, I thought it was okay. You know, like, I thought it would, like, you know, it would, like, you know, have some nice pictures and, you know, kind of told a good story. But really, like, I had no idea what, what what Mike was offering me at the time, I was like, a, I was like, yeah, sure, cool, yeah, you can come, I don't care, you know, whatever. And uh, in the end, it would actually launched what became Eat Well because really, like, the the professional look and function of the website really, like, kind of gave people the impression that I was professional and that <laughs> <laughs> your content was ex it is extremely professional. So, <clears throat> but my polish, my finish, might be a little bit like. You know, if you've listened to a couple of my podcasts now, they probably vary in degrees of like semi good audio to like basically driving up the Alaska Highway, talking into like a shitty mic and bouncing along the road, you know, whatever. I mean, like, I, I and all my videos, I, I kind of, I'm, 
I kind of I, I want I'm one take Ayers. I just kind of don't have the foot. <laughs> Lunch have, and learn. Lunch and learn. That's what we do. So, I, but anyways, going back to it with with Mike's offer, I just had no concept of what the value was, and in the end, Mike knew what he was offering me, and it was a very generous offer because it really was. Uh, he came back to me with a website that you know featured our content. It, it showcased what we do, but it also gave us the functionality of being able to like book our courses online. And if any of you have gone through our system, everybody that's ever looked at our website has said, I love your website. Super great to work with. And in the end, it's been awesome. So, so thanks, Mike. If I haven't thanked you enough, um, but thanks for doing that. So, so here we are sitting around. Now we're launching a new project. This is where Greg steps in. So Greg, Greg, Mike is the web guy and Greg is the app guy. So tell me a little bit about Greg, about what, how you got brought into this, this team and what you're, what you're up to. Uh, probably also a long story. So Mike and I are brothers, if that wasn't really clear. Uh, I would say he's 80% business, 20% technical. Maybe that's not accurate. And I would be 20% business, 80% technical. 100% technical. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he's the business guy. I'm the tech guy. Yeah. It's kind of how it works. Um, so I've had a background in building apps for different people. I've done some iOS work, some Android work. Um, that's kind of my thing. Mike brings it all together. He brings in the business plans and... Um, just connecting people and the concepts. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, so, so we, tonight we met tonight, and and this is kind of a a long time in coming. It was a project that we sort of started talking about uh, maybe a year ago. We sort of thought, what if we, something like maybe if we maybe we're, we're trying to launch it. Uh, the the what do we call it? What's the name? Eat Wild Hunting App. Eat Wild Hunting App. Yeah, Eat Wild. The hunting new app. Hunter Toolkit. The new Hunter Toolkit, Eat Wild Hunting App. To be confirmed. To be confirmed. Yeah. And maybe we'll, probably, maybe we'll, 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 maybe this podcast will help, you know, we'll feel it out a little bit as to where we go with it, right? Not the nude Hunter Toolkit. No, not the nude Hunter <laughs> No, no. Well, that might sell, though. That sell. Yeah. yeah. It's a so, social network. So, anyways, Greg, you, you, this is what you do for a living? You, 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 you build apps as part of yeah. your business? Yeah, I'm an engineer, I'm a programmer, this is what I do, yeah. And so, like, and, and this is funny because, like, I haven't really hung, hung out with Greg, not for, I mean, you, you came, we hung I've, out. I've done the shooting workshop. I've done a butcher workshop. Um, yeah, we've, we've hung out quite a bit. Yeah. And, and just out of the blue, like, well, we, we've talked about the concept, Mike and I, and Greg and I haven't actually talked directly about the concept of the app, but, but through Mike, the, 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 the process has sort of developed. Anyways, Greg came over today for dinner, and he's like, I want to show you something. And he, and he, and he flashes up. We, we got that Apple TV thing where you can, like, show the app on your TV. Or you can show your, your, your screen from your, from your iPhone on, on, the, on, mm-hmm. your, on your television. And, uh, and he walked me through what is now going to be the Eat Wild, well, the Eat Wild hunting app. And, uh, and it's kind of neat. It's a, it, you've, you've taken some of our, our essential videos and, and, just, and, and made them available on the app as well as our hunter guide and, uh, and the regulations and a few other uh, links and cool things. That, yeah, yeah the, the whole idea is that you, you have everything you kind of need in a resource that doesn't really depend on the internet. You can take all this stuff with you to go. You can have handy videos. You can have the, the hunting regulations. You can have the, the wild uh, field guide and just go with you into the woods and reference that whenever you need it. Amazing. Yeah. So, so you basically have like Dylan in your pocket <laughs> yeah, because when we when we've been hunting, like we would watch the gutting video, and I literally I had like a page of notes, like furious notes of like 
what I, and I actually literally thought about trying to bring it with me just in case, uh, not knowing how unsuccessful we would be, but <laughs> still like, uh, that's what we wanted. So it's so something that we would use, like something that, uh, a new hunter would use Dylan in your pocket kind of thing. Although that sounds good. Right. Sounds awesome. I don't, I don't well, we're not going to use that as part yeah. of our slogan. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't like that. Dylan's so. in your pocket. Maybe but the cool part was, which I was really man. impressed with Greg, is we haven't had, we haven't like really had a real brainstorming session together as to what mm-hmm. the vision was for this. And it's all kind of been to Mike yeah. and I and, and kind of, and I, I, I'm just really impressed with what, what you, what you showed up, showed me today. And it's just really incredible how close we are to actually having something that I think would be a huge value to, the, the people in the Ewald community and other new hunters to have, you know, like you said, like I, I, I what, what, what we're kind of aiming for is like, you know, five or six videos that, you know, cover off how to, you know, gutting an animal, uh, deboning an animal. What do I do if I get lost video? Blood trail. Yeah, blood trailing video. Like this, just some of the essential ones that if you were in the middle of a hunt and things, all of a sudden you had an animal on the ground, like what do you do next? And like guaranteed, I mean, you guys haven't had this experience yet, but you will this year, I hope. Yeah. Uh, like you're gonna feel an incredible <laughs> sense of being overwhelmed after yeah. an animal. Like the whole process is overwhelming. Like when yeah. when an animal steps out, or when you know when you're thinking about. It's been pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> I'd like to know how close you guys got. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, anyway, but just to finish off the point, I mean, it, it's yeah. it is a very overwhelming experience from from when you. Yeah. see a legal animal to getting set to shoot it is the emotions really rise up inside you it's hard to get control of, of 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 your emotions and then and then focus and calm down to where you can make an ethical shot mm-hmm. and then once you're once you've done that and the animal's on the ground then it's just quite overwhelming because you've, now you've got this what was a, a living animal mm-hmm. like a few minutes ago was now dead and now you, and you're sort of like responsible for taking care of it and that's that itself is like, you know, you, you don't want to screw it up. I and mean, it's not even yeah. just like screwing up, like, are you going to cut the gut bag and spill some guts out? It's like, you don't want to screw up because you respect this thing. Like, you're, yeah. you take full responsibility for for having killed this animal and you want to treat it with the utmost respect and do it right. And you want that meat to be like perfect, cherished and perfect. Yeah. 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 And so, so having a series of videos to coach you through that, it might be a good time to have a mentor <laughs> in your pocket to give you a little help. So, so that's the yeah. vision for the yeah. wild, uh, the, the wild hunting app. And, yeah. And that's where we're trying to what we're trying to build for 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 our, for our community. So, so thanks for that, guys. And I think yeah, we're getting real close. So, yeah, of course, happy to help. Cool. Because now we plug that. So this is sort of established <laughs> why we're doing the podcast. And yeah. I, I I think it's kind of bye. Yeah. Okay. We're thinking four ninety nine. You know, or something yeah. like. That. We don't know yet. Does that go back to four ninety nine websites? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, full, full circle. circle. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah. so what's cool? So what's interesting? is you guys are kind of like, outside of the fact that you guys are my technical advisors and my big support, you guys are kind of like the quintessential e-wilders. Mm-hmm. Like you're coming from a non-hunting family. You're, you, you, you. Desk jockeys. Desk jockeys. Well, yeah, you, you, you come from a very technical background, very urban, urban jobs. Uh, and, and, and you, and, but you've been turned on to the concept of being, making different choices around where your food's coming from. Yeah. And you and you and you've taken mm-hmm. steps towards that, and then you've kind of found eat well, and here you are with having participated in a number of our workshops and classes, and uh, and uh, and you're on your way to, to to living a different well, make you know living a a, a life that's much different, yeah. and and uh, mm-hmm. so I'm curious. <laughs> uh, okay, 
Have you guys that? So have you had a successful hunt yet? No. no. And how many years have you guys been out? <clears throat> Three. Three. Three seasons. How many bucks have you guys seen? Six. I have a map with all my coordinates on it. Six. Yeah. Six bucks. Seen. Yeah. You yeah, and we split up, so I don't know how many, but I'm pretty sure it's about six for me. I think you saw one or two about more. Seven. Yeah, Do you think it's because you guys are tall? <clears throat> tall. That they're frightened of us? Do they see you over top of the bushes? I think I think uh, we stink a little, firstly. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, my, I had like kind of a crinkly jack. Like, I, I truly did not appreciate the extreme <laughs> level. I'm like, yeah, I'm a human. I'm just going to walk in here. And like, I'm like, I appreciate it. It's going to be difficult. But I just didn't understand how tuned the animal was. And I think... After the third year, literally, I just, like, when I truly stopped, like, when I truly stopped and just, like, I had no crinkly jacket and I stopped in the woods and, like, stuff started, like, the woods, the, the, the noise started to come back again. And then I started to really hear uh, the animals, like, come back and I think I just lost my train of well, thought. The way no, we, no, but you two, sorry, go ahead, Greg. The way we, the way we started <laughs> out is that, oh, if we just walk around the forest, yeah. we're going to cover the most ground, we're going to have yeah, the we're gonna highest chance of seeing it. a buck. Yeah. But we didn't realize that if you just sit still for a little while, yeah. that you're going to, things are just going to happen, yeah. everything's going to calm down, maybe the bucks are just going to pass your way. Yeah. So that's the only thing, yeah. you, thing you said there, like, stink. But, well, you stink. You, do. you know what? It doesn't matter how bad you stink because as long and as you're too gen- noisy, and we, yeah, like you, like yeah. Again, we we didn't appreciate appreciate how intelligent animals. I think it was was the main point. So, mm-hmm. so there's a good there's a, there's, there's a, a good one of the thoughts that I I've, I've often gone back to, and it's almost a mantra that I tell myself while I'm hunting is there's always a shortcut towards wherever you're going. Like so. So sometimes you'll be walking along a ridge line and you can be like, oh, it'd be so much easier just to walk along this ridge line where it's nice and open and easy going, right? And then I'll tell myself, if I do that, I'm going to be walking in the open on the sky, I'll be skyline and any animal around me will like see me. But it's so much easier to walk that direction. Like it's so much easier. It's true. And then I tell myself, it's like the animals spend their entire lives trying not to get killed. Avoiding getting killed is what they do. They, they, that's all they do all day long. And so the option, you can either go on this clear open ridge line where it's nice and easy to walk, or you can walk in the cover just a little bit off the ridge line where you're not skyline, and you got to fight through some thicker brush, but, you get your, but you're maintaining cover the whole way through, and that way critters who are in the forest can't see you. And like, there's, it's always a little bit harder to make an effort to be concealed or it's another example is like when you're sit, setting up in a in a a stand, it's like a, a ground blind or something like that. You sit down next to a tree. It's real easy just to sit down. And you're like, I got a couple sticks in front of me. It's probably good enough. You probably won't see me. But really, like, if you take the time to like build up your blind all around so that you're just peeking over the edge of it and all your movement and your and your silhouette's completely concealed, like, then the deer can see you, and that's. Like, that's all it's trying to do right now. Like, at every moment in its life, it's trying to see you. It's trying to, it's trying to hear you, hear you, see smell you, smell you. you. And, like, if you underestimate its, its desire it's and ability to, like, survive, <laughs> like, you're out to lunch. I mean, that's just it. So make every effort to, to take those extra steps to be concealed, to avoid being seen. And, like, 
I, it's a mantra that I constantly go through my head as I'm, as I'm being lazy about, I'm like, I'll just sit here for a bit, you know, behind this little bush. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's not that good. The deer's going to see me if it looks here. And then I like take the time to build a blind or put a wind up or whatever. Right. So, and it might point to a fundamental disrespect, not disrespect, but in a way, a disrespect of nature. Like, it's so you're so technical where you move around so much and in an urban environment and nothing really matters like you don't stop i don't really stop to admire like concrete but when i when i try and figured it out after a couple of years just to sit and then literally i'm like okay I'm, I'm just gonna sit and then look around and appreciate it that's the um it kind of changes perspective i don't think it's a disrespect so much as an ignorance like this was yeah. never a part of I our lives yeah, growing exactly. up we I, don't I have any experience it being in nature and sensing these things we don't know what these animals are capable of yeah. we we underestimated them our first times for sure yeah yeah but you guys said something that I th- both of you said that it was i thought was pretty something that was quite astute about being in nature is the acknowledgement that when you when you stop in nature mm-hmm. when you walk it when you walk through nature everything shuts up yeah the, like the forest shuts up yeah. and it's like quiet right it's so super quiet if you sit your ass down for 20 minutes half an hour all of a sudden, you hear the squirrels and the birds, and all of a sudden, the deer come back. And like everything starts happening, but it takes twenty minutes. Yeah, it takes twenty. You can almost set your watch by it, like, and because everything in the forest. <laughs> when you walk through the forest, everything just like stops and looks at you, and the, and they have like about a twenty minute yeah. like you know freeze. like freeze like, and they're like ah he seems alright he's just sitting there eating a sandwich, <laughs> <laughs> and then they all go back to do whatever they do nattering away or singing or tweeting or whatever right. Well, so, it's hard to sit. It's hard to just sit there. Like it's, you want to be active, like, oh, I'm actively doing something. You want, you want to be active and just like, okay, this is productive. And like you're saying, you need to be a kind of like a predator, think like a predator, like to put yourself in a good position, chill, relax. And that was like an, an adaptation. So what, one of the things that, so you guys have figured, so it's, so it's a really good thing. You figured out that just sitting around is, <laughs> is by far a good spot too. Find a good spot. Yeah. Find a good spot. Yeah. So, so you guys have been. So, so maybe I'll, before I go into this next thing, yeah. just a bit, a bit more background. You guys happen to have property in the interior of BC where you have a cabin. Yeah. Well, yeah. you no longer have a cabin because yeah. we've got it's smoking. It's a it's a pile of ashes yeah. right yeah. now. We, we <laughs> in British Columbia, we've had the worst fire season in the past sixty years, where, where uh, a great deal of the province has been basically burned off. Right? It's yeah. been yeah, it's been the in, forest. You know, and yeah, the forest fires have, have worked their way through forests as well as towns, communities, and in your case, uh, cabin communities. Uh, so it's quite devastating what's, ha- what's happened in British Columbia. So on a positive note, though, <laughs> what was, like, I would say the most impenetrable country full of blowdown, awful pine trees where you guys were trying to hunt for the past three years. In the next three years, your, your family property is going to be this lovely, open, burnt-off grassland full of deer. So... I can guarantee you guys that your hunter success rate is going to increase like tenfold. Yeah. The first thing I said, oh, my cabin just burned down. He, he just, Dylan just smiled and he was like, well, good news, good news is you don't have to hunt there anymore. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to like get Mike to come hunting with me somewhere else where, there's, yeah. where deer actually live. I mean, wow, no, we, no, there's some deer there. And you guys have been figuring it out. Yeah. There's but a it, few. But it's a challenging place. And yeah. part of the reason why it was so challenging is because it's 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 in the pine belt of British Columbia where we have we have mature pine trees. Uh, it's pretty thick, yeah. Yeah, and the, and those pine trees all died like in the last ten years <laughs> due to the pine tree uh, the pine beetle epidemic, yeah. and and with that all those pine trees have now fallen over 
uh, some of them have fallen over. Either yeah. way, it, it's created some pockets of blowdown that are just impenetrable. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. yeah sure. So, so where you can still find some fur and old growth fur, it's quite good. I think it's probably pretty good. But by and large, the I, I think I think the 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 concentration of blowdown forest has affected the wildlife populations of BC. It's, it's just so thick and difficult to get through that even like deer and elk and moose just can't seem to get through it. No. And uh, I don't know if it favors predators or if it favors the ungulates with with that with that blowdown ecosystem um i'm curious to ask that question to a biologist because it's, it's quite persistent in bc now where where we have just huge tracks of pine beetle forest now that's all fallen over with the snow up there the only tracks we saw was a mountain lion. we saw a mountain lion that had dragged something or it was its tail but we didn't see deer tracks on the one side that has all the blowdown now that i'm thinking about it i was like yeah some of that area on the upper side of the plateau was like just all branches. I mean, that stuff we couldn't get anywhere near there. But yeah. So yeah. we weren't usually on that side. But. It, it may favor rabbits. I mean, we've seen yeah. one coyote and one wolf over yeah, a idea. couple weeks worth of and time. And the mountain lion trails. Mountain lion tracks. Yeah, so, well, anyway, so I, I think we're going to, I mean, you guys are going to see a distinctly yeah. different landscape yeah. now that, that those fires have pushed through and, and, and you'll have a, probably a very different hunting experience in the next few years for sure mm-hmm. and, and I think it's a positive thing for yeah. the forest it's positive for the young ones it's not not so good for your family cabin obviously <laughs> yeah we but, needed a revamp it's kind of it's bittersweet but I have I have a wall tent I have a, I have a, I have a second wall tent <laughs> we can lend to you guys you know yeah so, but then we might as well go somewhere else so well, then, well yeah. that's what we're talking about so, yeah. so, so this oh, year no. we're, we're gonna go do something fun it's together it's the time yeah it's cool. good timing yeah, so we'll go hang out somewhere where there's, where, where there's some deer <laughs> and some nice ecosystem to hang out in, and we'll see if we can, we can uh, well, it sounds like you guys have been doing pretty good. If you guys have seen, like, six bucks in the past three years, three years I mean, that's, that's, that's not bad. I mean, that, that might be more of an indication of, like... It's been increasing, though. Like, I think it was, like, one or two. You know, it was one buck the first year. So our very first trip... <laughs> We yeah. saw zero bucks, yeah. zero deer over three days. Even in the field. The, the very last day, we put our rifles away, put them back in the case, put them oh, back in the back them. of the truck, decided that we're leaving, <laughs> left down the logging road. A buck Huge. walks into the middle of the road, looks at us. So we're scrambling to dive into the back of the truck, oh. undo the locks, pull out the rifle, put the rounds in it, whatever. The, the, the buck just... Casually struts off the side of the road and just ghosts off into the wilderness. Gone. And, yeah, totally gone. So had you been just riding, like, like you guys have been riding around in your truck for the past three days before that yeah. with a gun in the back seat or something like that? Like no, we'll, we'll carry a rifle with rounds and a magazine separate from it sometimes. Or We're just fresh off the pal, like everything's locked, never had firearms, is going to explode or whatever. So we were just extreme, like extreme careful, like load it back in the cases, put it in the thing. Like now we, now we're, we're still being careful and safe and following all the rules, but we're still realizing that there is possibility at any point in time. Yeah. So you should have a a firearm within reach if you're driving on a logging road. Because we're comfortable now. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. That's cool. So that's a lesson. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, why don't you just have it sitting there? Oh, that's what we used to say. Yeah. We could have got one in the first, like, first trip. That would have been amazing. I think that was on your birthday. Yeah. 
It was, it was a gift, is what you're trying to say. It was yeah. a gift. To, gift the, the lesson learned was a gift, because yeah. we'll never forget it. It's true. So now you know that you got to be ready at all times. So, so tell me about year two. So year one, we left with so many questions. I remember us, like, we had no internet. There's no internet there. We left, like, was it, like, should it be here? Are they going to be going to the water? And, I, like, we, you know, like, because it was mule deer. So we, we ended up, I think we ended up doing a ton of research on mule deer. Second year, I think, like, had no backpacks. We had a better kind of setup for everything, more comfortable with rifles, more shooting experience. I don't remember two versus three. To be honest, I think too we didn't have Billy. We we ended up at like your ex girlfriend's. Yeah. Still just us. Yeah, we, we had another um, his ex girlfriend's dad was an experienced hunter. He came with us in the third year, I think too, and he was like he had just some experience, some hunting experience in a truck, but he couldn't really walk around and he hadn't hunted in the area, so he helped us by using his truck to help us get around and survey much more area. So I think year two, we still were kind of stuck. Oh, you guys don't have like a truck? So you guys are driving around in your in your Rogue or whatever it is? or No, we, we rented. The second time we rented a Sierra, uh, an SUV, but we still just went up, parked, and were basically together wa- yeah. like walking in specific areas. And keep in mind, too, at this time we had like very little amount of actual walking data very little knowledge of the area in terms of what's what and where and what things look like between the logging roads and everything. So you, you, the second one was us still struggling a little bit to get a so sense of So you guys are hunting together this time? In yeah, the second one, yeah. I'd say that was a big difference between season one and season two is that we, we were always walking together and, and the talking. noise that we were making. Yeah, we, were we don't spend a lot of time more. together. We, we realized that splitting off and being quiet mm-hmm. and walking and stopping and listening for a little bit would help everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say like uh, the I've gone hunting with people and and I've and I've, and I've like we've like parked the truck and we bailed out the truck and I and I've been like, hey, you you should go up that mountain and hunt that ridge, that kind of like stay on the south face there and kind of work your way over and you'll kind of come to a bit of a cliff there. You can sit up there for a while and then you're kind of like going underneath and then, and then my hunting partner looks at me and he's like well, well where are you going I'm like I'm going to go over this ridge over here in the other direction and, like, this works. And, and the concept was like we're not going to hang out together and, yeah. and I, I go we didn't have that we didn't have that talk <laughs> like, like no we're not hanging out no, just, did you have radios yeah I guess so and I mean I mean, but even better just to be back in the truck at noon you know like go have a hunt yeah. you know like yeah. you don't need radios to check I mean if I hear a gunshot I'll turn the radio on. Yeah. I'm like, and if it seems like as my buddy That's shot true. something, he'll probably call me and if he needs some help. But most, I mean, if it's most of my buddies, like, like they can shoot their deer and drag them back to the truck themselves. Yeah. I'm gonna continue my hunt and, and yeah. have my experience. But, but the the uh, I think a limitation of hunting together, particularly for deer, is like there's no benefit to hunting no, together. So noisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're 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 your choice is noisy. Your choice is stinky. You also have to have like which is, which is painful for me like this conversation of like well, well where do you think we should go well, should we go over here oh no should over here what do you think oh I don't know like and then, and then she's like you don't get the ability to kind of you know plan and fulfill your own hunting concept which I think is the most beautiful thing around just going for a hike you just you, you just kind of wander around and you, you kind of I think I want to go here I think that you, or you see a deer and you're like oh there's a deer and and, and yeah. you get to like just kind of go out and try to stalk in on it and, and be a predator yeah exactly be a, yeah be a bit of a predator and kind of go through instincts and whereas if you're with two people then you got to kind of have a discussion or you know 
So. In two, we split. So one total cluster F. Like, we were just probably talking the entire time. Like, we do this, we do that, we go here. We got GPS, <laughs> we got all sorts of stuff. We're noisy, stingy, total, total noobs. Okay, and then... Two, I don't know. Did we did we split? Two, we had the truck. Remember, I rented. I think it? we I think we casually split. We would come to a clearing yeah. and we would say, "Okay, you go this way." But we were always sort of in in eyesight of each other. Yeah. We could sort of see each other, which I think still was a mistake. Anyway, yeah. So I, I did I, two, three. Okay, so three, three revolutionized three, it because three got completely better. Yeah, because Billy had a truck. Billy would literally go. That that was his name. And he and he just like. He had the truck. He couldn't really walk, but he he had done it a lot before. So he was literally like, Mike, get out. Okay, just walk that way. Literally like you're saying. He was like, so, Mike, you get out here and go. And so what, so what we did is we, we got up super early before sunrise. Yeah. He We all got on the truck. He took Mike to one location. We we picked a patch of forest, which was, it was fairly large, but it was covered on all sides by logging road. So we really couldn't get lost if you just walk straight. It, w- it would take you two, three hours to cross this patch of forest, but you, you would end up back on the bottom logging row and he would just come down at the end of it and sort of yeah, figure out where sense. we were. That makes sense. So you're, so you're, you're working your way down a hill. Yeah. So you yeah. drop Mike off at one spot, you drove a little further, you drop me off. The idea was that, boom, you just go south, see what you see, go through whatever terrain you can go through and see what happens. Yeah. But he got us to conceptualize that. Like his background is education. And I think he was like, what do you want to do? okay and he kind of talks through it too like kind of just like pushing the bird out of the nest type of thing where we would be like oh let's go together that that horrible conversation it was like okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna because we we needed to cover more ground and see what's inside of the these areas like was it even worth going there is it all just the thick trees da, da, da. and then so yeah that's what we, we started like five o'clock in the morning so it was still pitch black and i have a good start about thinking I was going to die, about, die by wolves, but, you know, we ended up going through and, and learning. We covered so much of that area. We, like, just reconned that entire area from the top of this plateau where there was just, like, clear-cut area and a, an Indian reserve and uh, a lot of the fallen tree stuff on the one side. And then the good, we eventually found a little secret spot where his cousin, where her cousin, Cassie's cousin, actually did get a buck down there. So we, we, with a different approach, yeah, we, we've covered so much more ground. That's cool. So the, the, the big difference then was that you had someone kind of like, I like the term, like pushing you out of your nest. You, you kind of had this concept like, of how to do yeah. it. And, and, and like, killed. Yeah, like, like <laughs> this was the wilderness. Go wander around the wilderness. Like, but I had, com- I had a manual compass, I had a GPS, I had a, ma- a topographic map, I n- knew I'm good with north, south, east, west. I would never, I was not going to die. And the funny thing is, so he, like, so, like, and in British Columbia, where we have like logging road networks kind of everywhere, yeah. like you can't really walk like a kilometer in any direction <laughs> without yeah, hitting a road yeah. in, in the logging road. Yeah. So, so he basically, what your description is, he he dropped you off, he drove up the logging road, dropped you up the top of the hill, yeah. and sent you guys downhill to basically walk down the hill to hit the same logging road you just drove up. Yeah, and yeah. the one day we also yeah. did other exercises so, in there. Yeah, similar, so so similar just, stuff. just just basically, yeah, it's pretty basically. Cool. So like you know yeah. the. Cover the, through the GPS, the compass, the you know, yeah. and I marked the GPS on the truck. Yeah. Like I marked yeah. where I left into the forest, yeah. where I was, out of the direction, and it would just track me where I was, and it was no problem. I don't again. This is a 
this is like kind of this urban-y thing where you're not in the fourth. Like, it fundamentally feels really dangerous because it's maybe unfamiliar. Like, I literally, like, and I, I, I had a wolf run directly in front of me. I was like, oh, this like, even <laughs> when we got dropped off on that trip, it was pitch black. And yeah. we're walking oh. off the road yeah. into into dense trees and we're going into it and I hear a pack of wolves yeah, howling from where Mike was just dropped off yeah. I'm thinking okay I'm walking <laughs> into dense trees I literally I literally in the dark said is this my death and I had <laughs> just had a just had Max just had the first kid and I was like it was pitch black okay I had a knife I had bear spray I had my rifle I had gloves it was like it just snowed and I was walking like off the road into things literally non-stop wolves like within a kilometer a couple between kilometers. the two of us yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah and I'm like is it I just and I just I went for it I don't remember exactly I, I, I think I circled around a couple of times <laughs> like in this little like there was like a little pocket before it actually went into the bush and then I just just went in there what am I I think I think we had had this conversation before like are wolves fundamentally dangerous to humans and my brain said no but then my heart said I'm gonna get eaten by wolves and but then I somehow made it through you survived <laughs> yeah I survived yeah. So, yeah. but it was in the pitch black pretty, yeah so so so, so one of the things I taught I think about a lot with with doing this whole hunting education thing is like the perceived barriers right. the perceived risks yeah. and, and and the actual risks and and, and one of the one that really comes up a lot is the perceived barriers around like walking through wilderness mm. and, and without you know with the, and my, my experience uh, of walking I remember what I, I went out with my my good my Gary Glens which was uh, one of my dad's good buddies when I was he, they were they were good pals they're hunting partners and uh, I was really lucky because because I hunted with my dad my dad had this great group of guys that he hunted with. And I was the only like teenage kid that was that was a part of the community that wanted to hunt. So none of their sons or daughters wanted to were participating in our in our annual like whitetail camp. So mm-hmm. I got to hang out with a whole bunch of these mentors um, and learned how to hunt from from these guys, right? So I remember a day where where uh, uh, Gary and Gary took me up to Deer Heaven. This is what he called it. <laughs> he called it Deer Heaven. And uh, anyways, we went out there and. and uh, I think we, I, th- I can't remember what the hell we did. I think we shot a deer up there a couple of days earlier. So we're going back there to try and get a deer for me. He had shot, he had rattled in a deer uh, a couple of days earlier and he had shot the deer, but I, but I had actually seen a buck when I was up there with him, which was pretty exciting for me. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe like it was 14 or 13 or something. And um, so he took me back up there and we tried to set up again in the same general area and try to see if we get this buck, but. Anyways, we, we, we hunted in the morning and uh, we, didn't, we didn't connect on a deer. And we'd driven up there, and, and, and it's all the way at the top of the mountain, kind of about maybe like three miles from camp or something like that. And we climbed up to this sort of pinnacle where we could see back over the valley, and we could generally see where camp was. We could actually see the smoke from where camp was, was about three miles away. And he, and he said, Dylan, you ever gone con- cross country? And I'm like, cross country? What's that? And he says, just take out your compass. And I was like, okay. And so I take out my compass, and he says, now you take a bearing to that that smoke that's coming out of the down below there. That's camp. Yeah. I was gonna take a bearing. Okay, sounds good. He says we're gonna go cross country and we're gonna get back to camp. I'm gonna come pick up the truck later. And I said, well, all right, let's do it. And I, I had no idea. I, I, and anyway, so we, we ended up going. We just took a compass bearing and walked back to camp and th- right through this three miles of wilderness. Wow. And uh, and from then on, I just like it just kind of all kind of 
like I never that to me like we, well we, we we walked our three three kilometers down and we like popped out just about like a couple hundred meters <laughs> no big deal yeah no big deal like we just popped out right at camp and hung out there and went and got in the truck later in the day but like the, just the ability to like go oh, that's where I want to go and just go there and then whatever is in between is navigable like it's not a big yeah. deal like it 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 kind of stuck with me to, to this day. Like you just kind of, you want to go somewhere, you just go there. You, you look on a map, you know, I didn't go there. You know, like go to that direction. If you can see it with your eye, I can go there. And, or if you have a GPS mark, you yeah. just go there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, that, that confidence was instilled in me as, as a young kid. So now like, I don't, I don't have any, like, I don't, any inhibitions around like navigating terrain or, and, and, but it's something that, when I teach people about navigation and orienteering, like is a big gap from being like overly confident for me, a kid that just wandered around the woods since, you know, I've been, since I was 13 to being someone who's grown up in, in the city environment where like we, you, you've only been on sidewalks and only been on crosswalks and you've only been on the trails in Stanley Park. And then, and then all of a sudden someone's telling you to go cross country three, three kilometers from here to there. Like, it's like no 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 this is not compute. There's yeah. no there's no like red flag. It just on. does not work yeah. for me. Yeah, exactly. And 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 so how do you like help people break down those barriers? Just it's just wandering around. Like we just did twelve days of we had twelve days of sheep hunting, and like my I didn't take the compass out of my bag. It was buried the it was in my it was in my safety kit at the bottom of my bag. We didn't look at a GPS or or and, and like. We had we had maps we had we had uh, Google Earth maps uh, and we had a couple of topographic maps everywhere and like, yeah. but like we didn't like it's so obvious it's like well this U shaped valley is already just like you know, it's pretty obvious where where you are at all times right so you can you can, you can see landmarks all the time so it makes it real easy but but um, yeah just that that uh, that confidence of feeling comfortable knowing where you are and, and being able to wander around is 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 a powerful tool. But it also makes you a better hunter, and that's what you guys were experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Is that like, okay, if I just like go from, allow myself the confidence to go from, go from the logging road and walk down to the other logging road, like I'm gonna be in more deer country that's undisturbed. I think you you have to be safe, but you know just chill out and just like get wild, like just like you know like you're saying when you're independent, like you can just follow those terrain features. Like, that's it. Just get back to the thing that's, like, this. these shields up or whatever blocking and just sit on the log, like, lay down on the ground, like, roll around in the grass, like, throw some dirt on your face. I don't know, whatever. And, like, that's that was kind of what... You know, I'm walking through and I'm, like... Then I just kind of forgot about, like, PAL regulations and where the truck is and when I'm going to eat lunch and all that stuff. And then I was, like, well, just walk through the forest and I'm, like, maybe they're over there. To, you know like and then I, f- I feel like that like now I'm starting to like get into it so tune into the wilderness a little bit yeah yeah so that that, that was season three <laughs> <laughs> but you have to talk about your scenario yeah so there was and there was an event here let, let's uh, preface this with uh, you have wait some sort of uh, marksmanship training and <laughs> so well <laughs> you're a uh, wait we go uh, back to this so we can lieutenant in the army <laughs> so, 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 so Greg, you got a background, military background, right? So, so a lot of this, a lot of this uh, orienteering business, I was kind of taught by the military. So I had none of it growing up. We didn't really do any map and compass stuff. We didn't do anything besides the the streets, the Google Maps type of thing. Um, 
I was taught kind of how to walk around the forest. We did compass, we did GPS, we did daytime, nighttime, wandering around. We always kind of had lights on. It was always taught in sort of a military environment, but I learned to become a bit of a little bit comfortable with that. So coming into this, I think I had a bit of a leg up on Mike in that sort of aspect. And with firearms, I was just a little bit more familiar with it. Uh, we never actually shot at people. We just shot at targets. <laughs> Obviously. So <laughs> there's still a, yeah, still a bit of the nervousness shooting an actual living thing. Yeah. That was a new experience for me. Uh, where are we going from here? So yeah. on that, on season three... <laughs> we're walking through our forest it's Mike's got his kind of line I got my line I come through kind of wandering through you walk through a little bit it'll be dense for a little while it'll be open for a little while you sit you listen you keep going you wait you watch not a whole lot's going on really um, I got to one area I was just sitting for a little bit I ended up spotting a buck maybe 100 meters away 150 uh, through a, through a bit of logs, through a bit of foliage, things going on. So I kind of watched it for a little bit. It wandered across, kind of came back. It, it knew I was there for sure, but it wasn't really threatened at what I was doing. Um, so I, I decided, well, I might as well load up my rifle, take up a spot and see if it comes into a good shooting opportunity or see what happens. Um, I, I waited for a long time. It, it didn't seem spooked that I was there. I, I saw it. It went broadside to me. I saw it between a couple trees. I, I ended up deciding that I had an ethical shot from everything that I knew. And I mean, I've, I've done a lot of target practice. I'm very comfortable with a rifle. I know what it can do. I know how I'm aiming. I know where I'm shooting. Uh, I, I took a shot. Nothing happened. I, I've watched enough videos to realize that that doesn't necessarily mean that you missed it. So I waited and I watched it and I didn't, nothing happened. And eventually it kind of started, hopped off. Um, I, I'm still thinking a little bit about what happened. I, I think it hit some branches or something in the way that, that, yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there Yeah. because I'm, I'm quite sure I was on target. But there might have just been too much, too much branch in the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so between you and the target, were were there uh, like branches or, or trees? Do you think they could have possibly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah. were there were a bit of low hanging branches. I mean, yeah. I I thought the rifle would be powerful enough to go to go through it to not worry about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't work it, that way. It wasn't thick enough that it was gonna hit it for sure, but but there was some stuff in the way. Did you see any hit? Like any poof or knock of anything in no. between? No. No, this, you know, this happened to me this year. It's happened to me with an elk this, this year where I where I was like solid on an elk. I was holding on an elk at about 100 yards and I had a tree for a rest and I was like, they just, well, I had, I had it lined up for a while and I was just waiting for it to turn its head so I could confirm that it was a six-point bull elk and it was a massive elk, and I was like, I knew it was the six, but I just wanted to see it one more time before, it, before I committed. You know, I wanted to see, I wanted to be able yeah. to count six one more time mm-hmm. before I pulled the trigger. And he finally turned his head, and I was like, he's a six, and so I had. He was. It was a sort of a frontal shot because he was coming into our call, and so I was looking at his chest. Uh, so like looking at his two front legs and then his chest there. So I had the crosshair right on his chest, 
And like I said, I was like kind of like line up ready to shoot. And I'm looking over my scope to wait for him to turn his head. Finally turns his head. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a six point hundred percent. So then I and then I sort of nestle back into my rifle and I and I pick him up and I put the crosshairs on his chest and I I'm not even like 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 it's been it's been he's been hanging out there so long that I, that like the excitement of the fact that this is all happening has come and gone. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like I'm feeling pretty calm and I'm just like, okay, there's his chest, squeeze the trigger, bang, and the elk just like basically takes two steps and stands there, and I'm like, oh, I got him because like just the way that he like. He didn't take off. It's like, hey, like he's 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 got a hole in him yeah. because he's just gonna he's gonna stand there and crumple. It was what I've seen before when you hit him that when you hit him hard with the lungs, mm-hmm. and he, he didn't. He's like, he's standing there, and I'm like, he's going. And my partner behind me uh, with Cole, who's with me, he's like, yeah, you got him, yeah, you got him. And he's just, he's gonna go down here in a second, and we're watching him. He's like, he now has been a couple like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. He hasn't gone down yet. Like he hasn't changed his posture. I'm like, shit, I should probably shoot him again. So then I, so, so like, I, I go to try and shoot him again, but I, all I can see is his ass, his back half of the animal. This is, there's trees and stuff obscuring his body, right? So I can't get another shot. So now I'm kind of going a little bit panicky because I'm like, okay, I, I, sure, I got him, but maybe I didn't, or maybe it was a bad hit or something. So then I slide over a little bit, expose myself a little bit to try and get a clearer shot at him. And, uh, anyways, he, he then he sort of he sort of sort of perks up and kind of walks away a little bit, but not that far. And again, stops again with his ass sticking out and no shot at his chest or his head. And I'm, like, I'm kind of like thinking about bending the bullet around a tree somehow. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. So, anyways, we kind of have this like long standoff. Like I kind of move a bit, he moves a bit, I move a bit, he moves a bit, and it just I just can't get another look at him, like another clear look at him. And eventually, he just like walks up and over the hill and down the other side. Uh, this is weird. Like, I, anyways, by now I'm kind of feeling like I didn't get him because if if I hit him the way I thought I hit him, like square on the chest, like he wouldn't have walked away. Like just, that, that's a hundred percent dead shot. Yeah. And um, anyways, the fact that I saw him walk away hundred like five hundred <laughs> yards from me, now it's, it's he's not dead. And so of course we go back and we look for blood, and uh, and we walk the length of where he went, and we got a pretty good solid track on him. We can't find blood there all the way five hundred yards to where he basically bailed off into some really thick horrible stuff and we walk our way all the way back to where he was standing when I shot him and, and I go back to the tree that I shot from and I get Graham sorry Graham Cole to stand exactly where the elk was standing and we kind of line everything up again mm-hmm. and I'm and and now without when I'm looking up at Cole all I see um, without the benefit of looking through my scope which has got you know eight you know nine power uh, magnification I'm looking at Cole, and all I can see is like tips of little willows that have been burnt off between me and the target, and which I couldn't see. Like if I if I was looking through with my binoculars, which almost filters out all of that debris that's in between me and the animal. And then as soon as I I was looking I was looking for this that six point with my binoculars, and as soon as I saw the six point, I put down the binoculars and picked up the gun, and the gun was on you know five power or six power, could have been nine power. And, and so it filtered out all of the debris that was between me and the animal. And it was black, burnt off, little tips of, of willow that had burnt yeah. off in the, in the previous burn that had gone through the area. And all I can think of is that the bullet, as it travels through there, hit one of those little tips of, uh, of the willow. And that's all it takes, because the bullet going 3,000 feet per second, if it gets obscured by anything, it's going to deviate from its course. 
So depending on at what point, like that it hit that little bit of branch or that, you know, it, 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 it obviously was no longer true and missed the animal entirely in my case. So yeah, for sure. Like what, what I saw through the scope, what I know from shooting, it was on from my perspective, but yeah, we, we did the same thing. We ended up, I got, I got Mike and Billy back in there and we kind of found the spot where I was shooting from. I showed them where the deer was standing and we, we kind of recreated the situation and we, we looked for blood. We couldn't see anything. I, I remember which way it went. We kind of walked that way. It went into a whole thick deadfall, and we kind of lost any trail of it. Uh, but we found that secret spot. I mean, yeah. he ended up, like, my area was just, like, thick to thicker to thick to, like, chokingly thick where, like, the GPS stopped working. It was so much. It was so many trees together. But the area that he went through where he did see that buck, it opened up into this secret spot, which we now call it. So it's an area that's got some big open areas and we went back and we saw one, two, we saw two more buck in that area. And um, so that's kind of uh, one, you know, a big lesson learned. So now that whole area is burnt off to the ground. So your secret spot is going to be like very public now because anybody can see in there from miles away. Another, another thing that we did is we went in the month of October. So yeah. the regulations were that only bucks. So we didn't, if we see antlers, we were good to shoot. We didn't have to count any, any tines or yeah. anything. It, it just simplified our lives a little bit. Yeah. But maybe they weren't as active as they would have been closer to November to the rut. Yeah. We are just being wussies and we didn't want to go into like heavy or snow like we kind of discussed. We didn't have the vehicles to do it. Um, but yeah, closer to the rut because yeah, we weren't there. We were, we were just kind of hoping for a mule deer to come down through it. So that's another thing. So timing, you guys haven't really, you haven't really focused on that area during the peak time. On the other hand, you guys have been there where you guys are there during the open, any box season. Yeah. And, and my understanding where you guys are, you're kind of on the plateau of British Columbia where like there's, um, there's some areas that we we consider like traditional summer range, which would be like high alpine areas where there's lots of food and it's like super nutrient rich, uh, forage for the critters. And then they migrate from those, those areas those summer ranges down to their winter ranges, which will be like the grasslands and along like the Fraser or Kamloops Lake or in around you know, anywhere okay. the Okanagan, so. uh, where there's where there's dry you know dry low snowpack conditions and there's some food for them to survive. So where you guys are is kind of like the uh, it's almost the in between zone. I, I, there's this an area where you're going to catch animals migrating through there from those highland areas down to the summer ranges. And then I think there's also like because it's kind of generally considered summer range all across the plateau. Like there's a low densities of of deer all across the plateau um, that kind of just hang out and live. And then eventually, when it's time to when the snow hits, they kind of migrate down into areas where they winter, which which might be like Chase and Likely and some of those like you know with areas that might be a little bit drier and I don't know. But so yeah, you guys are you guys aren't really like. You're not really targeting a summer range spot early, and you're not really tar- targeting a winter range later. You're kind of in that low density kind of middle ground, which which can work well for you guys because you you know you, you know the area now, and and I think it can be productive. But, yeah. Well, we've had opportunities. We've seen plenty of does and a yeah, handful of bucks. Yeah. Well, I mean that's all the more reason to think like earlier in November when yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just. Again, probably needed to suck it up and just deal with the colder weather. And again, our cabin, like the road there was like horrible along the edge of a, of a, a river. So, yeah. Um, 
you kind of were trying to avoid that. And also Maybe driving Maybe the forest fire guys rebuilt your road to get into that fire. No way. We're like the one, <laughs> the one <laughs> It's like, like I said, it's, it's dust. Like it's, it's dust. Okay. Well, but yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk about next year. So, so, yeah. so this is great. So I feel like so indebted to these guys for like the website support, <laughs> the pod, the, the, uh, the app support. So we're like, we're like, we, we gotta go get a deer this year, yeah. and I and I and I want I want I want to like support you guys 100 percent in that endeavor. Uh, so so this year we I, I think we should go somewhere where there's lots of deer. That's agreed. That's a good <laughs> step one. It's a good step. Yeah. Now with what we've learned the hard way. Yeah. So we'll go somewhere where there's lots of deer. We'll we'll hang out and uh, and uh, well I'll coach you guys on wandering around the woods by yourselves, yeah. uh, feeling confident, mm-hmm. but that you gotta make it back home. And we'll, I'll say it was radios. So you, you know, we have radios, but yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, we have radios. Of course, we have radios. What if we go? We go somewhere and well, there's cell self, self service, and we can like chat with each other, text each other. You know? Is that possible? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Where we were again had no no cell service. I kind of love that. I kind of like being able to like. There's a number of us that hunt now that there is cell service. It's kind of a treat That's, to like, yeah, you kind of like text your buddies, catch up on emails. Yeah. Like when I'm sitting in my blind, like just like let <laughs> up the time, time go by, I'm like catching up on emails, like yeah, doing business. That's kind of, is that what we're aiming for? Because I mean, I, li- I like, it is double-edged sword, right? We're, we're out of communication, but it is also nice to be out of communication. But yeah. Well, so, the main but, motivation for me is like, how long can I sit there? I mean, like, yeah. the, the, like the biggest secret to hunting that I could tell anybody is like, just pick a spot that's got like it's, it's somewhat deery, yeah. and sit your ass down for as long as you can stand it. Yeah. And then what activities can you do while you sit your ass down where you can still somewhat pay attention? So, yeah. I've always been a reader. reader. Like I've yeah. read like Wilbur Smith books. So there's like really like, uh, like super fiction like yeah. <laughs> about like you know, the uh, hunting in Africa and these like epic yeah. adventures and like so I just like blast through the totally irrelevant fiction and like and I'll, I just like read like five pages look up for a bit like oh yeah there's no deer here and I'm reading five pages look up for a bit and there's no deer but it keeps me sitting my it keeps me sitting down yeah. and, and that, I think that's probably the main thing yeah. I think that was a huge lesson that we had to learn is that it's not necessarily more productive to just wander around the forest they're just going to be noisy and not really get anywhere. Yeah. That area is a heavy pressure area too. Like we wake up early before the sun comes up. There's like ATVs, there's trucks. It's heavily truck hunted, right? So of course with the eat wild message, we're, we don't want to just drive around the truck and they're like, yeah, we just drive all around up in here. And it was like very rare to see anybody on foot. They're just ATV'd in there. So yeah, getting out of the car, Picking the spot somewhere that's not like close to the road or whatever, and then sitting there. Yeah, for sure. I didn't. I didn't get to the point where I was actually reading. I just kind of. So 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 the latest debate I have with myself was like, <laughs> I kind of got into like the whole audible thing and like having like oh, yeah. audible story. So, like, <laughs> so is it better to have like to have? Is it better to be like reading your book with your eyes down, or can you have like one earbud in, catch up with your audible, yeah. and then like and then glassing the area? And I'm kind of landing on the fact that like. I can sneak one earbud in and I can use my eyes to like monitor. I have an argument against that though because if you have two earbuds, the one is still emitting a low level of sound. And if the deer's ears are as good as, you know, they're giant, right, to hear everything, they can probably oh. hear your. So why don't I just cut it off? Why don't I get one of those like but $2 sets? It's kind of out of ear. If you had a plug, like the earplug style, like, I don't know, that might work better, but I don't hmm. know. I think, but then again, the page turning. 
You know what? That's funny. Is because uh, or a Kindle? Yeah, my, a Kindle might work. <laughs> Kindle, but I, yeah. I did the most. So, so I, I, my my uh, Larry, who's like what? Did you do your workshop with Larry Woodrow? It was Jeff. It was Jeff. Uh, Larry, Larry, I met Larry. Larry's a fantastic guy. He's seventy something odd years old. He was, uh, he's been an adventure hunter his whole life. He's done so many amazing hunts. He's been just a dedicated, uh, well, hunter of all sorts. But he's he. He, and he's killed a white. He's killed a white-tailed buck every year since he was fourteen years old. And he's oh. like seventy-six years old. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so he took me to his. Uh, we were up at white-tail camp, and he's like, and I hadn't shot a. De- I think it was like day six. I hadn't shot my white-tail yet, and and uh, so I, I needed to kill a deer. It was getting to be yeah. like you hunt there for about ten days, and like usually like you, you have you, I've usually passed up a few deer by the time of day three or four rolls around, and anyways. I, I was starting, starting to hunt hungry, you know, like <laughs> and a meat crisis going on. I want to get here. Anyway, so he takes me up to his, his uh, he's got a, a tree stand that he's got in his, in his secret spot that, uh, and, and so, and he's got two trees next to each other that he's got set up that you can climb them and then put your little tree stand in them and then sit around, right? And it's a great spot. There's a, there's a main migration corridor for the deer to move down through this area. There's a great big kind of cliff that kind of pinches these deer, so they they funnel right down below this 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 tree stand, and uh, I've hung out there a few times, and it's always been productive. But this is the first time I've been there, and uh, he set me up on this tree, and we're sitting there next to each other, and we're like you know, as far as we are apart, and so we can kind of whisper or talk to each other. But anyways, but we're hunting, so we're not talking. So he's sitting there observing, and I and I fall into my pattern of reading my book in order to pass the time. So I'm I'm reading my book, and it's and I'm like. Flip, flip, and, and anyways, I guess a, a, a buck had walked in right behind us, right behind us on our set, and when I flipped the page, it spooked him. Oh. Right, but for, but the buck had walked in behind our set, and Larry had just been peeking over his shoulder, and he could see this buck down below us. But we, which, <laughs> but they don't typically come in behind us. This just happened to be on the set. But when I flipped the page, it spooked this deer and it ran out and ran out and ran in front of us yeah. to where I heard him bouncing all over and stop and broadside at like 30 yards from me. As I flipped the page, I looked up, I was like, oh, bang. Totally. So the, so the, so the fortune, the page, anyway, so yeah. So audiobooks, maybe, that's the secret. I don't know. It seems kind of... I don't know. I it's it's still wrong. new enough to me that like I just treat it like a meditation type thing. Like I just try to just sit there because it's it's luxury to just sit. And both of us kind of work desk jobs. We sit there all day. I mean, it's just nice to be in the wilderness, yeah. listen to the sounds of the forest, and just relax. Think about stuff. I see. I hunt all the time, so I just yeah, like you're, you're over it. <laughs> no, no, just, nature. No, no, no. <laughs> I percent like it, it is. I find it is the ultimate meditative experience. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I maintain mantras when I hike in the woods. I have these yeah. sort of mantras that just like I just kind of like, kind of persist as I'm walking through the woods and, and when I'm hunting. Don't like, step on a stick. Don't step on a stick. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but just these like these, these thoughts that are really comfortable thoughts that just keep kind of like cycling through that aren't they don't they're not they're not like uh, obstructive thoughts or like, like the wolf. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's super comfortable. I mean, anyways, it's it's a beautiful thing. Are they sorry? They were sorry to make fun of it. I mean, I like like is it a legit mantra? Like. Do you, do you repeat things or you just find that you think of the same patterns? Like you, you have a pattern way 
while you're thinking that has made you successful? Or are you go oh, out No, there? no, I have, I have, I have, I have like a deer like hunting mantra. Words. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like a deer hunting mantra. Like, so like, uh, yeah, like maybe like a process that I follow that, that if I just keep doing what I'm doing and eventually it works out. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell myself, I'm just like, just, just as, as my thoughts or my, like, it's really easy to get discouraged hunting and yeah. you start to like allow these negative thoughts to take over and inhibit your ability to, to feel present and feel motivated to continue and to enjoy the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of push those thoughts out by saying, hey, if I just continue to do this act of wandering through the forest, quietly walking from tree to tree to tree, maintaining cover, looking over the landscape carefully for deer, eventually I'm going to see a deer. And I tell myself that over and over again as I fall into those periods where I, I feel discouraged or want to pull out or try something different and I just say no no Dylan just keep keep side hilling along you use cover watch over the landscape it's going to work out eventually mm-hmm. and I just keep cycling that through mm-hmm. with whatever last song I, I heard on the radio <laughs> plays in the background <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but it does it does help anyways but we've never been successful so it's, that's always in our mind you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna happen for us so. it's a very technical i mean the, the conscious what is it conscious competence we're consciously incompetent and you're consciously competent then you're unconsciously incompetent and then you're unconsciously competent that process where like we're still trying to learn to drive the car but we're looking at the steering wheel we're looking at the gear shift da, 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 da. so it's like a lot of these technical things like focusing on these specific things but I think it's getting more natural so we can consciously confident I like that yeah. yeah I don't know whose framework that is but at this point the like you're driving a car and you can like be on your phone because you can automatically drive it you're like automatically driving it I think the first few years you're still gaining just the confidence like I'm not gonna shoot myself I'm not gonna accidentally hit my bear spray. I'm not going to get mauled by a bear just jumping out of the woods and attacking hmm. me. Like these things that like you 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 don't get to focus on the skill of hunting until you've weeded out like huh. I'm not gonna die. I'm not gonna accidentally drop my gun and kill myself. I'm not gonna fall off a cliff. I'm not gonna get lost permanently. Or I'm not gonna get another hunter coming towards me gonna shoot me. That's another thing I'm kinda worried about. Wolf pack's not gonna eat me. So now I'm more like, okay. I'm, I'm making the, the, the move to now sit and, and be like you're saying don't don't get discouraged just chill be wild yeah cool <laughs> so I, I gotta get you, you so so, for, so your take home exercise is to, to make a list of all your perceived barriers yeah. that you've experienced in your first few years yeah, because because that's that's what I, I think about like because I, I don't perceive the same barriers like, it goes back to my my going cross country exercise like like because I was so young when I when I when I built that confidence wandering through the woods, I, I don't even realize that like people are scared of wandering through the woods. Like, yeah. and, and, and and so as an educator, like it, it takes me a while to go, oh, okay, you're scared <laughs> to walk off the goddamn trail. I get it. Like, like with, with, there's so many steps beyond that that you're not even thinking. I about. can't get back that far, right? Yeah. Without without kind of, yeah, I, need, I need some help to get back there. So one of the things we do with people at what we do our, our we have a three day hunter field skills workshop, which is awesome, which is tons of fun. Yeah, you've done it, Mike, and, and you should just come and hang out with us, Greg. It's a lot of yeah, fun. Um, for sure. Uh, but uh, we one of the first exercises we do we, we give you some fundamentals of nav, uh, of orienteering. We, we we break you guys up into teams and we set you up with with a mentor. We talk about compass and GPS and map use, 
And then we send you out on the landscape when we give you four caches you have to find out on the property. And like, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's not right. like super easy. Like it's, it's like you genuinely have to apply these skills that yeah. you learn within your team. And like people come back, it takes about two and a half hours for the group to finish it. And people come back and they're just like absolutely pumped. Like they've never done anything like this before. Yeah. And, they, and, they, and they basically, this is like a quarter section of a ranch property, right? They basically walk to each four corners of, of, of a quarter section of a ranch. <laughs> but they're like, holy Jeff, we did, we did it. And we did it in record time. We almost got lost and we avoided the gully. We didn't fall in the waterfall. And like, oh God, it was amazing. And like, like, yeah. Yeah. We didn't go through the blowdown. But you're using this, like you, you're literally giving us that framework to start. And then you're starting to th- just that beginning of like take a path that isn't a horrible path through a bunch of fallen down trees and like plan the path through and think about being think about where happy deer are and then you can use your tools. But yeah. that's not, that's not the same as being afraid of. But but people because you're in a team. Yeah, but but the thing is, people. Are, but that's what's cool. People are in a team, so they don't they don't have the same level of perception yeah. of fear being on their own. But they collectively have to figure out how they're going to orienteer from one end to the other, yeah. of, of, from one cast to another. And, and like, collectively, like, individually, they'd be quite scared. But collectively, they're feeling somewhat confident because they're hoping that somebody out of the group of four knows how to use a compass or a GPS or has some sense of, like, how to get back. They probably faster than the other <laughs> yeah, totally. there. But, yeah, yeah, I guess that, too. But, but, but it is interesting to see people kind of have this perceived, like, they have this perception. Hey, Claire. Um, they have this perception that it's this, this, this big deal that they're doing, but really they're just walking from like one end of the property to the other. And then once they, once they actually do it, and they're like, "Wow, that was actually pretty cool." And we use these tools, and we actually did all this stuff. And it, it almost establishes this confidence, and this like, they kind of get pumped up for the rest of the weekend as a result of this one little exercise. It's it's yeah. kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you realize that's not something that normal people do every day. That city people do. <laughs> No, like, we don't. We don't walk around the forest every day. We don't hold a compass. It's not that. That's not normal. No, it's not normal. And, and, and that's what I like. I, what I, kind of what I'm relaying is that, like I'm always surprised at like how how much of a barrier that is, and and to see people really like <laughs> knock that barrier down, and then they're so pumped and keen and like confident, right? And it helps. It really helps establish the rest of the weekend and all that. I think it's such a weird achievement too. If you want like another angle on it is like computer jobs are inherently unfulfilling because something in your brain tells you that no matter how much money you make from it, no matter how much accolades you get from it, you're not doing anything. Like, like you're not moving, you're moving, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, moving your yeah, fingers, yeah. but like I'll go and like rake leaves and I'll just be like, this is, this is amazing. Like it's so physically like primally fulfilling. Yeah. So doing that is like it opens up a different sense of maybe like a dopamine reaction that you don't you can't access in an urban environment and you don't get very often. No matter no matter how many times you see an email that's like wow you did a great job it's like it, it it doesn't matter it doesn't pass into this, some genetic material saying like you're gonna live this year or something and I think that's a driver that maybe you haven't seen from that angle. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. But no, I think, I think we've kind of done a good job. I, I hope that this little session of podcast has been valuable to folks because I hope people identify with some of the things that you guys have gone through as new hunters and, and, and living a fairly urban life and, 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 and the process of learning that I think one of the messages here, even, even if you are very, you know, you, you guys have, you guys have got great places to hunt. 
you got access to hunting support and mentors yeah. like you know me and and others that can like kind of steer you in the right direction. You've had family support, and it's still quite challenging, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I really appreciate you guys sharing some of the challenges you guys have had, and and I hope that it's a value to the to listen to our, our vast audience on the Eat Wild Podcast Listening Network. That they, <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like a failure too. I want to say that like I've never. I, I don't feel like a failure because I think I feel like we we're going from literally zero. Like I I, I didn't yeah. we didn't start at like five really getting exposed to the woods. You know we, we weren't in there, so I feel like I'm I'm building up a set of, of skills. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. So yeah, we I would like we to never really be, had expectations <laughs> when we went, and yeah. every time we went on these trips, we we learned so much, and we came yeah. back with all these questions that we wanted to go figure out, and we'd watch more videos and read more articles, yeah, yeah. and just it would build up every single oh, time, yeah. and yeah. a lot more than just you know it's not just the meat that you're getting, like the confidence, the a lot of different other skills that come with it. It's it, it's it's been enriching in a lot of different ways. Or even just the respect for buying meat in the supermarket <laughs> and how hard it is to go <laughs> yeah. get that yourself. Yeah. You know, you're just walking yeah. to the or, or or for someone to cook elk balls for you. Yeah, it's like, like that's so got to be worth like half an app, right? Half an app. <laughs> like, re- like realistically, you, you cannot just go out and do that. Like you don't just walk into the forest, pull a trigger, and like there's a dead Bambi. It's like it's. You know, it's changed my whole perspective when people start talking about hunting. It's just I feel like I'm can now kind of like in a tiny way be be a little bit more part of it. I'm not like a successful hunter or anything. I don't try to. I wear a lot of camel, but I wore camel before. But I feel like frauds sometimes. Uh, Quite honestly, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel more like involved. It's yeah, it's, it's enriching. I guess is the way. So well, I do. I, I really appreciate the statement that you don't feel like you're a failure. I think that's the cool thing to hear from you, and and and, and Greg, you're just saying like like how much you how you've learned and all the things you guys have put together, <laughs> and 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 I think that's really cool because I mean really that's that's really what hunting is, and and the more you learn, the more experience you have, the more you put together, uh, and and find secret spots like that's that's where the success comes, right? And and you guys are obviously thinking along those lines that that's how it's going to come together for you, so. I know. I, 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 that to me, that's the progression. And, and mm-hmm. along the way, if you can like, you know, meet some old guys who have some secret spots that you can like get off them before <laughs> they croak, that's, that's smart. Like, and, uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, I think we should probably wrap this up because this has been a lot of fun. We were, yeah. we were actually like literally doing a sound check yeah. that turned into, <laughs> I think it's going to be a fairly good uh, <laughs> podcast episode. So I, I really want to thank Greg and, and thank Mike for hanging out with the Well podcast. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thank you. And, uh, and again, thanks so much for really like, like, I mean, Mike, you've been a part of this for a long time and you've really made you well what it is with, with yes. your technical background and support. And, and Greg, I'm so thankful that you're on board with the, with this, uh, this next step with the app. And I'm, I'm thankful that you're on board and, and we'll see where this goes. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks guys. And yeah. we're going to go get a deer. So our next podcast <laughs> will be after we have a <laughs> deer down. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what we did wrong. Yeah. Well, we fucked up. So yeah, Mike missed us. Yeah. Mike eat by wolves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, thanks so much. All right. Well, thanks folks. Thanks for listening. If you, uh, if you like this podcast, be sure to like uh, like it and share it and all those good things. And if you have a chance, leave a review of what you thought of it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Eat Wild Podcast. Podcast.eatwild.ca. Thanks, bud. See, that's why I have this guy. And download the app. Download the app, yeah. May or may not be downloaded. Yeah, it's getting close. <laughs> We're feeling good about it. All right. All right. See you guys later. Eat well and wild.